Hello and welcome to another episode of The House That Happens with me, Andrew Milani, and my good friend here, Cruz. How you doing? Yeah, how you doing, Cruz? He has a full name, but he just goes by Cruz sometimes. And uh, this is a special episode of The House That Happens we have here for you today, this morning, this afternoon, whenever you may be listening to this. Uh, we're going to start off, I guess we could say a little bit philosophical here. We're going to get into trade deadlines, trading prospects, uh, rentals, all that, and kind of like how that all kind of fits into the sports world, the meaning of all these things, and try and put those pieces together and make sense of it in only one way that The House That Happens could. Cruz, how are you doing today? I couldn't be better. Once again, we want to yell out, it is on Simcoe Day, and you know what I think of Lord Simcoe. Yes, sir. We already brought that in the other show. If you're listening this way, just once again, I already did the soliloquy. He is the master of ending slavery. Uh, yes, you will hear this a little bit down the line. Yes. Uh, this is originally recorded on August uh, 7th, Which is 2023. Simcoe Day. Simcoe Day. Yes, or a civic is. holiday, whatever it's Civic holiday now, officially. But uh, I think what you're really going to get today is that we're going to really, like, it's something that has come up... Um, we're going to give you a historical perspective too on this because I'm going to tell you when I was young, um, I didn't really, you, you knew there was a trade deadline. Mm -hmm. You knew that people wanted to improve their rosters and all that kind of stuff. So I'm just amazed that it, um, it's progressed to a thing like where they have an all day show on TSN. Yes. Um, on baseball day, ESPN now dedicates the day to their trade deadline. And stuff like that. This is something that uh, Canadian television kind of pioneered with the, the yes. trade, NHL trade deadline like you uh, alluded to just now. Which, which is great. But what we're going to try to do is we're going to try to get to the value of this. And um, when I first figured out the value of trade deadline, it had nothing to do with improving a team. It was actually a good scam by Sam Pollock and the Montreal Canadiens. <laughs> <laughs> it really was. People don't know about it. And, we, and we're talking about 50 years ago now, but... Well, it was about improving his team just long-term. Long-term. But, okay, so if anybody ever knows about this, and this is how slick Sam Pollock was. First of all, people don't realize that back in the day, Montreal got the top two French players. They, could, they were automatic property to them, and I think Toronto got to do the two best players at uh, uh, St. Pat's, Toronto St. Pat's or something. I don't know how uh, the, it worked. The anyway, well, they own the Marlies. Marlies yeah, so, yeah, whatever so the case may be. That was their prospect uh, stream. Anyways, the, the most unique trade deadline is this how Sam Pollock was. Is it, it has to do with the great Gila Fleur, the late great Gila Fleur, is that somehow he figured out that the California Golden Seals were going to be the worst team in in uh, hockey. Yeah. They turned out to be one of the worst teams in, in uh organized sports in history speaking <laughs> with some of the worst looking well, uniforms. I, 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 well, that, that part's true, but I don't know about worst teams of all time. We've seen some pretty bad NHL teams and the seals don't usually get mentioned. Okay. It's just one of those things where it doesn't work. Like where you want to have the same motif for all your, your leagues. Like everyone knows those classic Oakland A's jerseys and stuff look great. It just didn't work on the ice <laughs> it didn't just Might like, have had something to do with those white skates oh whatever the case may be it just didn't go just like it's, it's the question now did the um before we get too off topic but it should be brought up did the la laker colors work well for the los angeles kings i would say yes well how come they got rid of them Oh, because the black and silver was way more tempting. Well, that's only because we know what happened with Gretzky and come on, Gretzky didn't like purple. I heard, but then anyway, but you know when you do see those royal purple jerseys, like they had a team. I think I told you about a year ago when I was down right by my arena, right mm -hmm. down here, Martin Grove. They were a, a travel team, and I'm walking my dog, and they're all in those royal purple uniforms, and I go, God damn, that reminds me of Rogi Vashon. 
And some guy ran over and got my attention and said, hold on. You know who the coach is? It was Rogi Vashon's son. Get out. I'm telling you, I never told you that story? No. Blew no. me away. So That's I'm coming. Cool. Oh, yeah. I'm walking down the street with my dog. And I'm looking over. And they're skating around. And they're in those original. Yeah, yeah. Not the not the way the home royal purple kings logo shirts and with the with the lettering on the back I go I knew it had to be a travel team yeah yeah but it looked amazing they're flying around the Martin Grove rink which I walk by every day because they couldn't the rinks were so busy in the tournament and they're an upper echelon team mm -hmm. there was a bus there was a bus parked like I mean like their travel bus yeah was there like driving them around which I was impressed with I guess it rented here and I just said man reminds me of Rogi Vashon the guy goes what'd you just say I said Rogi Vashon they said wait 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 come here and guess what he came over he had a Rogi must Vashon mustache oh my god but it was so his cool. son that's this, cool is, it wasn't it cool I just I came right up here and told Sir, so let's go down and talk to him again but whatever that's there but anyways my point being is what had happened was this Sam Pollock was so freaking smart first of all he traded away Two credible players. One was Carlos Vadnes, who was a solid NHL defenseman at the time. And they needed some help with the goaltending because they had a guy named Gary Smith who thought it was going to be okay. And he got stolen by Chicago later and did have a decent career. But what Sam Pollock is famous for doing is when, when it looked like the Golden Seals were going to win a couple games, one of the guys he traded was Ralph Backstrom, who was arguably today would be a second or third line center scoring 20 goals and a, and a prospect who was a bum I heard had drinking problems. So they already knew. He never even made it to the NHL. And they scored Guy Lafleur the year they won the Stanley Cup. So they won the Stanley Cup in 1971. The first draft pick in the uh, entry draft yeah. that year, Montreal stole from California and drafted Guy Lafleur. Yeah. You know? Yeah, and this is before, obviously, you alluded to this a little bit, before we knew the value of draft picks, especially those oh. top three, top five, top ten picks. Yeah, it didn't even come up then. But I knew there was a couple guys, including Harry Sinden and um, – I think it was another general manager. I think it was in Minnesota, and and uh, Scotty Bowman was not with the Montreal Canadiens at the time. Would've he been was with still St. Louis. Yeah, and they all raised their head up and went. Mm, but there was no, nothing was done illegally. There nope. was no backdoor nope. deal. If you said you're going to sign on the line, you signed on the line. You made the trade. You made the trade, and here just, we are. Just some shrewd business. Very shrewd business, but it did happen around the trade deadline, which um, says to me is, um, first of all, what is the significance of the exact trade deadline well i would say it's kind of the deadline for teams you know to shit or get off the pot number one it's you're either i agree you're a contender or you're not kind of you know getting your assets together for a playoff run or starting to build for next season or you know three years down the line however it may be whatever your timeline is okay um now baseball had a weird thing where there was two trade deadlines for the longest time Ooh, now we're going down <laughs> the road i want to go down uh, got you i could never figure the second trade deadline, the non or the waiver trade deadline, rather, it would be the non waiver trade deadline was July 31st, and the waiver trade deadline was August 31st. And if you don't know how that worked, was you had to put a player on waivers, and then if he got claimed by another team, you had to negotiate like a, a trade for him to be released. Why they came up with that system, I don't know. That never made much sense to me. It, it to me, it always just seemed like. I don't know how it worked if like multiple players or multiple teams put in a claim for one guy. That was never really put out there what the exact, you know, minutia of the business dealings worked for that. It was weird. It's very weird. Can I say one name? Go for it. George Steinbrenner. Is he's the reason for this? Uh... He was one of the ones that they eliminated it because of the manipulation. They eliminated the waiver trade deadline. I think, yeah. But they, then they brought back? Uh, no, they've never brought it back. And then what they did is they don't have, now the trade's done. You're done. 
Do you know no, I, mean? I understand yeah, that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and that's the way. It did. That's my point of being there. What it did, it was for teams like because what you do is you had to pick up money and contracts. Okay, there was, oh, hey, follow the money. Sure. Okay, Steinbrenner had more money than money, so he liked the fact that there was a chance that he would talk up to somebody, we'll give you this prospect, put him on the waiver thing, he would claim him and, and, and add more money to it, yeah. so he could. So, uh, I'm, and, and let, we'll study this more, and if anybody that's listening to this show want to call in and add or give us some facts we don't know, but I know one of the reasons it was eliminated was because of George Steinbrenner. But it took a long time oh, after Starbrenner to get rid of it. When though. did they, they got rid of it? What? A couple years ago. Oh, I Within thought it was the last longer, five okay. years. Yeah, five because, ten years, something like. No, because it uh, last five for sure. Because even when uh, was it twenty sixteen? I believe the Jays got Liriano. At, oh uh, right, in August. Yeah, yeah. That, yeah, right. Okay, but anyways, I I really bring it up because one of the guys that was never a big fan of that was uh, Pat Gillick. Because remember, they used to call him Stan Pat? Stan Pat, I've heard that. Yeah, okay, before, yeah. But yeah, they used to call him Stan Pat Gillick because I believe that he said, if this is a tree deadline, that's done. Because what I question about is when do you have the trade deadline? Mm -hmm. Okay, so now it's August 4th. And we'll talk about all leagues for a second, but start with baseball. It's August 4th. So I believe if you August 4th is your trade deadline, you we're done. Yeah. You can't add it on now. I think it should be a little bit later in the season, but that's uh, neither. Could tell me there. why. I think the perfect spot for a trade deadline is three quarters of the way through a season. We're a little bit before that, two thirds. I think they can move it down just a little. Like August fifteenth, exactly. Okay, because I really, I'm, I'm with you there. Because then, what you do is you get halfway between. Because some of the bitching is now is because of the two, the waiver draft, the waiver line, and the trade deadline. So some of the executives, even though Theo is out of it now, there's a little bit of manipulation of like, okay, maybe it was too soon. Yeah, you know what I mean. Maybe we should have had an option. So you're going to go there because you don't know what's in your farm system or whatever well, and, the case and this, may be. In, in baseball, especially, I feel like there's so many teams there in the mushy middle that don't really know if they want to buy or sell. It just gives them those two weeks to, you know, you go on that big run or you take that, you know, you okay, lose so that big losing streak. Gives you a little bit more time to figure things out. You get more trades done at the okay, end of the day. Okay, so I'm I'm of the belief that because we're gonna we're gonna stipulate where we are when we're discussing this trade line, deadline. First of all, I'm going to agree with you. I think the trade line should be. Um, August 15th. Yeah. I'll accept that, which means we'd have a week to go. But what that means is there's no more waivers. There's no more... Well, the waiver trade deadlines... Yeah, uh, okay, anyways, okay yeah. so that's what I'm saying. So now now we're stiff. We're stiff on what goes on. I think you can make minor league trades, though, right? Well, that's the thing I want to get to as well. So at least from the NHL's perspective, the trade deadline, it's not really a trade deadline. You can still make trades after. But the thing is, you cannot... Like if you trade for a player or sign a player after that date, he cannot play on your playoff roster. Oh, that's good. Yes. Then. Okay, because that, that's what I'm, I'm trying to get at. Which that, the NBA kind of manipulates Oh, we're going to get ways, there. Yes. We're going to get to that in a second. So my, my, my thinking on baseball is, okay, we move it to August 15th. But and another good thing that they did, which I never understood, is that August 15th, and now you're only allowed to call up, what, four players? Remember that September 1st oh, thing? Oh, yeah. That was the work. See, this is what I don't understand. You had two, you had a trade deadline, then you had a waiver deadline, and then you could call up like the army. You had to bring extra chairs into the goddamn dugout to fill yeah. out all the players in, which is does what? I really think that what a lot of baseball people should have screamed about analytics, so to speak, is that sometimes the guys that had those home run runs in the freaking September and stuff were playing against lesser players who were trying to get a chance to make the team next yeah, year. Yeah. So you're hitting home home runs off some minor league guys. Yeah, so some so some why guy, didn't why yeah. didn't why didn't we all why don't we ever bring that up in our game of analytics, yeah. Mr. And I never hear analytics people bring it up. 
up. So if I'm bringing in the analytics people is, we were talking about stats and how things are changed and stuff. I want to know the difference now because you're not allowed to have four call-ups, right? Is it yeah. four? Something like that. Okay, which is okay because I'm saying you're going to rest some players going into the playoffs so you have a higher quality of competition. I'll accept that. But not 10 guys, remember? Oh, yeah, it was, was stupid. insane. And then you could, so what you could do is, which is one of the reasons I think they changed like the three batter thing is, you could have a pitcher for every batter, a pitcher for every inning, which yeah. is they're trying to do now, which is no biggie. But then you want to know why the oh, game. Oh, it's only two call ups now. Great. Yeah. Even better. Yeah, it's because they're 28-man roster in September. It used to be 35-man roster. Sure, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. And then, yeah. So that means you so you could alter your roster to win games by putting so many pitchers up against the guy. So what you've done is effectively um, change the competitive level going into the playoffs, and then you go back to the other way. Hence the reason I'm bringing up this thing that I told you about another thing, which you're going to have to discuss and make a decision on. Are they going to go uh, – if you're going to play this – if these are the rules for the regular season – I agree with hockey doing the shootout if they have to get it that way and baseball putting the guy on second base. Yeah. So you're not going to use those in the playoffs because that affects too much the competitive balance. I agree. You're just going to piss off everybody too. New school and old school, I think. Okay, so we're, we're getting a little bit there. I'm, I'm losing my train of thought in this way. What I'm really pisses me off is when you when you um, when you when you go to the playoffs now is like um, if these are the rules you played with all season, what are you going to change? Are you going to change? One of them is... Pitch clock time. Remember I brought it up? Yep, that's yep. being... Have well, you heard you're hearing it now? There's yep. been big rumblings about it. So um, now, you know, we, we're trying to balance it, the, the competitive level at the trade deadline by saying this is a trade deadline and that's it. Mm -hmm. But now you're going to get a pitchers get away with something that they did all season that they're going to get away with. So is that going to make Manoa a better mm -hmm. pitcher because he doesn't have a pitch count in the playoffs? <laughs> Just a food for thought. We're sure, not, we don't sure. have to go down that road. No, but you know no, what I'm no. saying? But yes. These are all aspects of the game that I think should be solidified before you go into the playoffs so you'll know that we're not playing a completely different game. So I understand in the playoffs, um, I mean, I understand, like I said, we understand the second base, we understand the shootout. That's regular season yes. time, logistics. No, can't have that during the playoffs. No. So how it's going to go. So that's just one of the things you're going to think about when you're bringing guys in for, for the trade deadline, which I think should be defined. One of the things that we should define, because what we have now is, if you don't define it or you alter the rules, let's bring up the Los Angeles Lakers. <laughs> Just baseball at large. Okay, but I'm mean, saying that, but the Lakers, look what they did. So you can't do that now. There's no more alterations. Same, like the reasons Houston grabbed Verlander at this yeah. trade deadline is because he was part of the team last year. I get the dynamics. Sure. Look at the Lakers team uh, January 1st, and look at the, the Lakers team April 1st. Yeah. That's not a trade deadline. That's total manipulation. <laughs> How you, so? Okay, you buy out a player. Okay, he's he's free to go wherever yeah. he wants. So you make your agent scumbag. I mean, agent makes a deal to buy you out. Now, and what happens is I don't know what the backdoor dealing is. Like, say you're OKC and you got a Russell Wilson, and how do you get rid of him? Okay, the Lakers will backdoor the contract, and he's a free agent now, and you bring him right to LA. And you can do this up until the playoffs start. That's the absurd part. Where That's like, what I'm saying. I know, where if you're a free agent, you could just like piggyback on like any Get team. off the couch. I don't like that. I think you should no. be, you should sign to make your decision by trade deadline. Okay, and that's what I'm saying. So if you want to have a 10-day waiver exposure in the NBL, I'll give you Fine. that. Fine. But I mean, oh, it's the day before the playoffs. 
get out of here. That's nonsense. That's, that's what nonsense. I'm saying. So then you're not. Then you're. That's when, manipulation. Ex- that's when you're asking. We were talking about what I meant by manipulation. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. I think that should be eliminated. So the NBA should say the trade deadline is the trade deadline. Now, when you go to the NFL, um, uh, and we're going to get back to the NBA in a minute because what the hell they really more manipulation. When you get back to the NFL, I think it's even better because the NFL says, okay, this is a trade deadline. It's over. And half the time, you don't even know yeah, there's yeah. a trade deadline. <laughs> Exactly. I mean, what you're looking for like one big trade midseason in the NFL? Because they're already manipulating before because you got to make your lineup. Now, here's the biggest thing about the NFL that there's a difference, which people don't always understand. There's about um, anywhere, they say at a given time, from 100 to 200 players working out incessantly right now. Some of those guys will be NFL guys because the NFL guys' contracts will expire by December 1st which makes you an off-the-couch guy. Yeah. So that's another weird thing about the NFL is they, I know they have defined their their deadline. You can't do any more, but you can get guys coming off the couch. Yep. You know, and do you think that's a little weird? Where do you draw the line in the NFL then? What do you mean? Like, the trade deadline is a trade deadline, but yeah. oh, okay, so and so. Well, like teams have like their practice squads too, right? Oh, practice can, squad's yeah. only six players, and I agree okay. with the practice squad because the injury level – and the type of sport it is and the things that you got to look forward down the thing, which your taxi squad is basically your insurance policy. Same shit yeah, yeah. kind of deal. But what I'm getting at is that the NFL can suddenly, like if they wanted to, um, okay, it's the playoffs now, right? Heard Brady's working out. Philadelphia's going in and Jalen Hurts, no, I shouldn't bring up any name. Just say some name team has a quarterback and all of a sudden they get hurt. You know you can bring Brady in? You can bring Brady in to start the playoffs because Tom Brady is playing for nobody and he's on a couch. I'm thinking, how do you stop that? Shouldn't there be like a deadline now? Okay, from now on, you can't get a player. Like, say the playoffs start, like, because it's a 17-game season. So let's say from now on, you can't add any players to your team um, after January 18th. Okay. Think that's fair? Yeah. But one of you have a bunch of injuries, then they're going to say, "Oh, cool. well, emer- then there's like I'm sure there's emergency protocol." Then then let's just go by that. Yeah, emergency protocol and nothing else, so that you can't bring guys in. Because I think that freaking hurts the competitive Even like, balance. Even like you say, January know? whatever. Like that seems, I don't know that seems is. late. Like it should well, be yeah, like you should have your guys season, locked in December, early January. Okay, January first, yeah. and you know what I mean. They're still playing games. Like when did the season end? Like if I were check the end of the season, season like first week of January it yeah. ends now. Yeah, yeah, something like that'll be the first so like week. The, of the eighth or the tenth, yeah. So I'm saying that what they got to di- decide to do, and I think that's where the NHL does it best. Mm-hmm. Once your trade deadline comes, it's over, right? You can't do anything. If your guys are in the minors, you can bring those guys yep. up, but I get yep. your minor league trades. But even then, it's kind of like. Uh, uh, September call-ups where like it's a limited number of call-ups you can make past the deadline. Then that should be, I agree yeah. with that because I don't I, I'm, I'm saying is I'm, I believe this if it's supposed to be about team and this team is going to get you there then that should be the team at the end of training camp you play a season yep I believe you ha- should have manipulations, and I'm still saying that's why your beloved Toronto Blue Jays, I mean Toronto Maple Leafs, didn't go where they did because they made too many wholesale changes at the deadline. 18-player team, change uh, six-player. We've been through this before. They, they don't Just go past Tampa you. without those without those picks. Or without those uh, players, excuse me. We're not going to talk about it because it's not the season, <laughs> but I'd bash you right now about that, about the next round. So let's just not go there. What I'm just trying to say is that uh, here at the house that happens, we believe that we should define the deadline. If yeah. this is the deadline, none of this, no more manipulations, no more waivers, no more okay. And if you get guy off the couch, it's got to be 
by a certain date so the L.A. Lakers could not have a wholesale team. Like, you look at the L.A. Lakers team. Like, let's go back to the first night of the season. Yep. And let's go to the L.A. team that started the playoffs. Oh, night and day. Oh, that's like, I think they only have a 12-man team and a 15-roster sign. Yep. Well, they have nine guys difference by the time the playoffs started. That's like starting a whole new season. So I think that's bullshit. So here at the house that happens, we want to say, can we? I mean, though the Lakers, their biggest acquisition, I would say, happened at the deadline anyways. So you're saying is ESPN and the league on this because we want LeBron and the Lakers on because they're a good draw for TV? Is that where we're going? Because then again, you're just screwing up the competitive balance because you want these names? Because that's never going to work because no. we know in Europe when they tried the Super League with soccer, what happened? Oh, they got shut down. Very good because guess what? We want real competition. We, yeah. only, want, we only want certain levels, even though we know in college football things could be changing yeah. on that level on a whole new game. Yeah, but the Super that's League, like they were trying to turn soccer into F1, which... Uh, doesn't work. Doesn't I work. Don't, no, no, no. Because I because I want the guy from Bristol, England, for his team to have a yeah. chance. I want OKC to have a chance. I want um, Minnesota Timberwolves to have a chance. That's you know it. what I'm saying? That's so it. we're going to go, so let's alter it. So we've decided in the house that happens that we want a definitive trade deadline. Hurrah. Really? You know, no, <laughs> no more. No more um, whatever happens. You know, and I always said uh, an interesting thing. I don't know what you're going to call the shows because we, we had that results thing. Yeah. I've had another one that says the trade deadline dilemmas and disasters. <laughs> it's it's not bad. To put it on. But um, what when I really started noticing the trade deadline the next time for me, and we're talking about hockey was, because I'm still saying, so now we're getting to 1980. You're not alive yet. I'm minus 13 years old. Yeah, you're minus 13 Negative years 13. old. So now it's the, 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 the trade deadline, and the first one that ever got my attention is the famous Butch Goring signing mm. for the New York Islanders. Islanders yeah. That's what got my attention because at the end, unfortunately, and we keep tabs on the Habs wherever is, that was the year that the Islanders, in 1979, the Islanders were the best team in hockey. That was the first year that they passed Montreal Yep. In for a regular season, okay. However, they run into this juggernaut called the Toronto Maple Leafs. <laughs> oh no, that was that was seventy nine. That was seventy eight. Yeah, that was seventy eight. Okay. Anyway, yeah. I, I, we we should look it up really quick. Who eliminated the New York Islanders nineteen seventy nine in the playoffs? Rangers second uh, semifinals. Was it semifinals? Yeah, because I think it, they may have gotten swept. I have to double check that quickly. Because then Montreal beat the Rangers in the finals yeah. in nineteen seventy nine. Yeah. In any event. Um, what happened was, as everyone noticed this, is that, and it's smart people, that Al Arbor and Bill Torrey. Oh, Al who, Arbor, arguably one of the greatest coaches of all time. Oh, yeah. Okay, so Islanders, as the number one seed, they lost to the number four seed Rangers in the semifinals in six games. In six games, okay. So the Rangers went to the finals against Montreal that yeah, year? Yeah, and then they lost in five to Montreal. Oh, yeah, Montreal bitch slapped them hard. But anyways, that we, you know what? I was hoping that we'd get a chance to play the Islanders in the finals to define that because the very next year, 1979, we got upset by Minnesota in the first round, or 80, Buffalo, or 80, yeah. 80. We got, I think it was Minnesota. Yeah, we got with my good friend, late, great Tom McCarthy. Anyways, what the reason I'm bringing up the Islanders in Montreal at the time is, is because when it came to 1980, and the playoffs came, and they looked over at Montreal, and they looked over at the Islanders, is that the Montreal was deeper down center. Okay, so out of nowhere, a very solid hockey player, Butch Goring, who just signed for five years in L.A. So it wasn't that he was bitching about it, and he was number two in L.A. by the time because they, they still had the great Marcel Dion, was your number yeah. one ever, and the crown line with Charlie Simmer and um, uh, Dave Taylor, which was, what was it called? The... Uh, 
uh, I feel it's some fancy name for it. It had to do with car playing and kings and all that. So actually, Butch Goring was a number two center on the L.A. Kings at the time. Mm-hmm. Bill Torrey took a look over, and L.A. wasn't going to do anything that year anyway. They were another year. They were a middle-of-the-pack team. And what did they do? They were offered draft picks. No, what they did was this. As L.A. was trying to get better, they were offered two solid players, Billy Harris and Dave Lewis. Were the, were the principal guys now. If you go back and look on that, Dave Lewis was a solid defenseman. If he was in the NHL now, he'd be a number four. Okay. He wouldn't be a number, you know, number five, or definitely be a third pairing, but there's a good possibility he might be the second guy on yep. your line. And they also got Billy Harris, who was a great two-way player, score you 20 goals, um, killed penalties, um, on the ice sometimes at the end of the game, on the checking roll. And for Butch Goring, at the time, which looked like a pretty even yeah. trade. Unbeknownst to anybody is when you bring a player to your team, it's his fit. Butch Goring was a perfect fit for the New York Islanders at that time because it took the pressure off Brian Trache and the number one line of Clark Gillies and Mike Barsley and Clark Gillies should never be in the Hall of Fame. The only reason is, is he played on that line. So who just who did the Islanders play in the first round of the playoffs that year, I guess? Toronto Maple Leafs. Nope. Oh. The L.A. Kings. Oh, yeah, the L.A. Kings. That's right. And what did they do to them? They beat them in uh, three games to one. Yeah. In the yeah. Pre- preliminary round. Yeah, yeah. They beat them no problem like that. that no, was Toronto it. got swept by Minnesota that year. The and then they play, and then they, we played Minnesota, played Montreal, right? Yes, and yeah. Minnesota beat you guys in, in seven. In seven, yeah. Oh, I was flipping. I was not a, I was not a happy. We were the first um, team to lose to an expansion team. That was the first time an expansion team. Beat Montreal? No, that expansion team. Uh, no, the Islanders won before that. Beat original six team. I think that's what it was. The first really? the first original six team to lose a playoff t- game t- series to uh, playoff An expansion team. squad. Wow. Uh, something, there was something weird. Minnesota did something first that nobody else did. Much, and we lost in the first round. Oh, no, that was a preliminary round. Oh no, that couldn't have been the case because didn't Philly beat uh, Boston? Oh in yeah, one of the that's cup true finals? too. Then what, what was what was the Minnesota connection? There's some Minnesota did something first. Maybe it was Montreal's first time losing to an expansion team in the playoffs. That makes sense. Maybe something. I know they had a first. Thing. Anyways, what point out to be is that Butch Goring ended up being a vital part. He was a perfect fit for the team because he had a couple other young guys, Bobby Nystrom, yeah, and a couple of those other players that played pretty good. But let's take it one step further. He was an instrumental in being beginning of the dynasty for the New York Islanders, who went on to win four Stanley Cups in a row, yep. and he was an intricate part. One year he was a Conn Smite Trophy winner. He was. He was yes. a Conn Smite Trophy winner, and do you know what his job is today? What's that? He is still a broadcaster on the New York Islanders <laughs> radio telecasts, I there believe. Isn't that amazing? So a guy who signs a five-year contract for a team, gets traded at a deadline, becomes part of the dynasty, and is still part of the organization. That's weird tread, trade deadline stuff, don't you believe? Well, I mean, hey, he got uh, welcomed into the family. In a good way, yeah. but I don't think very many trades end up being that great okay so now no. now we're paying attention to the trade deadline in the 80s which is getting bigger right which gets to me my second historical baseball notice do you know who doyle alexander is i do okay he played, played for, for the blue jays yes he did that's where he got his money he was like 17 and two or something for the jays he had two years in a row where he, yeah. he, he won 17 games he pitched in the playoffs for him in the ill-fated uh, 85 85 in the ill-fated series there there's their guy was steve but they had doyle alexander doyle alexander threw more junk 
Then Fred Sanford. You know who Fred Sanford is? No. Sanford and Son. Oh, okay. Sanford and Son. Okay. And what he owned yeah. a junk area. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> he had more junk than Fred Sanford. <laughs> I'm going to tell you this. In any event, um, he had two good years for the for the Blue Jays, and it was another one of those situations where I give Pat Kelly Gillick credit that all of a sudden Doyle wanted the big money. Okay. Gillick said, not a junk guy. You can't throw 80 miles an hour. However, Detroit was on the verge then because they had Dan Petrie, Jeff Petrie's son, Mm -hmm. and they had just won the World Series in 84. Detroit wanted another bite at the apple, and they needed that third starter after Jack Morris and Dan Petrie. So what did they do? They gave the big money to... um, To Doyle. No, Atlanta. Oh. Atlanta gave them the big money. However, at the trade deadline... Detroit Tigers decided they needed that third starter, which was really weird because um, Doyle, if you check his numbers, was kind of struggling with uh, Atlanta that season, but he had a Verlander last six or seven starts like this year. Okay. So Detroit decided they needed that starter. Do you know who they traded? Uh, Doyle Alexander. Do you know who they traded? You don't know, do you? No, I don't. They traded John Smoltz. Oh, no. They traded John, the John Smoltz. The John oh my Smoltz. God. That's when I kind of went. We heard about John Smoltz because he was a prospect, but he was having trouble with his control. And Detroit did bring him up, and I think he was two and two with a six ERA. Okay, but he was young. He was young. So the question is, we're going to go on to this. Is the question of uh, prospect deals? For veterans and where does that go? But that has to rate as... And you know what? Detroit did um, um, end up... We did... Um, who did we play that year? We ended up losing, I think, to Minnesota, didn't we? Or was that, no, 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 no. No, it would have been 84. For what year did we pick up Doyle Alexander? Because I think by that time, Jack Morris was playing for Minnesota and they won. It was at 89. In any event, Minnesota went to the World Series. Detroit ran out of gas because we chased down the Toronto Blue Jays, who had a five-game lead with 10 games left. Oh, okay. So this is 87. At 87, yeah. yep. And then we ended up losing to Minnesota, didn't we? Yeah. In the playoffs. We ran out of gas. Basically, Twins, we, yeah. Twins won the World Series in 87, yeah. Yeah, but we, 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 we chased it down like a champ. Uh, then when they won two years later, that's when um, Jack Morris ended up going to Minnesota. Because when Minnesota yeah, won two worlds. Yeah, won two series in there. But we had a trade there. Is that one of the worst trade deadline ever? It very well, well, well we're going to get that in the process of this show, but that's what my reason for this history is because now that's 1987. By this time, the trade deadline's becoming something. Before yeah. that, there was no TV shows. There was no, like, what it, like, like I'm, I, I love Jeff O'Neill always saying, man, I bring an extra lunch on that trade deadline day because TSN is on all day. Um, ESPN interrupts their programming for the trade deadline, which brings us to the belief, um, what do we say? Are the prospects that you give up at the trade deadline worth the players that you brought in? I say it depends on the results. I think so, too. And that kind of takes me to my first one that I want to bring up. Okay. 1992. Oh, Toronto Blue Jays make a trade with the New York Mets. We trade Jeff Kent for David Cohn. What's that? For David Cohn. Do you think it was worth it? We won a World Series. Okay, so this is the the great enigma. Uh, as you bring up Jeff Kent, first, and Jeff Kent ended up being like a pretty good ball player. Won an MVP, five time All Star, five time rounds there. Okay, the question is, and then well, 
this is just a rhetorical question. What I'm thinking. The question is, does Jeff Kemp belong in the Hall of Fame? I say no. Some people say yes. Okay. But um, that's an interesting trade because how long did uh, Kent, you know what? Dave gave Cohn was a rental. Yeah, he was a rental. He got out of Toronto as fast as he came he here. Went, went to Kansas City. Yeah, for a free agent, right? A free agent, mind you, and then he got to trade it back to New York. Uh, I would he, not, went, he went to go play with the Yankees. Yeah. yeah, because the Yankees did that waiver bullshit with George Steinbrenner that we were talking about previously, and that's yeah. how they got the back door with Cohn and all that stuff. <laughs> that's why they had to stop it. But the problem with Cohn was this. He went to Kansas City and was terrible. I'm not terrible. He, he won a Cy Young. He won a Kansas 94 City. Cy Young winner. Kansas I didn't know City. that. So what yeah. did they trade him in, 95? Uh, well, let me see. His 90, was 95, 93 with uh, Kansas City is very good as well. I thought he kind of tanked Let's see. He went back to Toronto for 95. I didn't know that, actually. At the trade deadline. When did we win no, the World I Series? Think, I think it was the other way. I think he started with Toronto, and we traded him to the Yankees at the deadline, it looks like. Or, what? These numbers don't make sense. No. I don't know what you're looking at. But I just know that David Cohn was not happy in Toronto. He never was comfortable here. Now oh, he no, no, no. Things. These numbers do make sense. He, he played. It looked like he started the season for Toronto, and then he went to... The Yankees in 95. So he did end up signing back here, but like 95, the Jays were trash. Yeah, so that was after the strike, right? Yeah. Everything was falling apart. We had the new ownership. The Brewer guys were going, what's the Blue Jays? The that Germans was one, or whatever? The Belgians. Belgians, yeah. Yeah, and they looked at it. One of the assets on the sheet was Toronto Blue Jays. They, one of the executives said, what's the Toronto Blue Jay? <laughs> is that not insane when Labatt sold, like, like they sold to the brewing company? Is what they did, yeah, yeah. and one of their assets was uh, Blue Jays, yeah. was the Blue Jays. When I heard that story, it freaked me out. Like that tells you now that's changed dramatically over time because of the internet and all the cable, and everybody knows everybody on an everyday basis. But I think you're in Belgium and you don't even know you have a baseball team. <laughs> that's absolutely blows my mind. Well, it shows you where they thought the value of that. Uh of that asset was. Yeah, but it, it is a huge asset now. Well, they like just completely now, missed yeah, My point is that they completely just, like, didn't know what they had. Okay, so that's in the 90s. So that's only 25, 30 years ago. Now Tom Brady's buying freaking soccer teams in Europe. Would you ever think of a football player 30 years ago is going to be buying a soccer team in Europe? Probably not. You know, that's what I'm saying. The evolution of what's valued and what's your assets yeah. is right there. But so I want to go ask you about another trade at the deadline. 1990. Montreal trades Zane Smith to Pittsburgh for the package including Scott Ruskin, Willie Green, and Moises Salou. That was a good trade for the Expos. There's no <laughs> doubt about it. Come on. And Moses had a great season. It wasn't for the broken ankle. He could have been a Hall of Fame career. Okay. Because he had some good years in there. And those are the years when, when, when uh, the Larry Walker, uh, Pedro Martinez kids. Because oh, Montreal yeah. had a great, great... Um, um, what would you call it? Farm system. They were doing it well because they knew they couldn't compete on the free agent market. Yeah. A lot of people didn't go to Montreal. Do you know back then, because people used to think that you soon went to Montreal, you spoke French. You ever talk to some of the baseball players in those days? It was so ridiculous. You know, like, I'm not going to Montreal, i go speak French. No, then when the players got there, they're like, oh, I like this city. Oh, every time, every time. <laughs> it's just the way that it goes. And I, that was a good trade, though, I thought, for them. Because what's his name? The, the, the guy that, um, he was a starter, wasn't he? Zane Smith, yeah. He was a starter for Montreal, the guy they traded, right? And what did his career after that? His arm fell off. But for yeah. that year in Montreal, he was on his way to winning 15 games, if I'm not mistaken. You know what he was? He was yeah. like an Aaron Sanchez that we brought up. He was looking really good, and then he left town. Yep. Never to be the same. But um, he, here's the interesting thing, though. 
Um, when you think about it, uh, of all the things that have gone on, let's just talk about the, when you're talking about trade deadlines and trades going on and prospects or not. Do you know that there has been since 1980, 1,152 players have ch- changed teams in the NHL at the trade deadline? <laughs> Doesn't that sound insane? No, I, I believe it though, because you see the like at the end of every trade deadline on Sports Center or whatever, they'll have like the infographic, <laughs> yeah, like yeah, players yeah. trading, you're like picks trading, like oh my god. Yeah, you go like that, but I, I didn't realize 1152. So when you're talking about the trade deadline, like um, the question is, are are the prospects worth it? Okay, so one of the ones that has come Again, up... Again, a lot of that has to do with the result and the way how the, the prospect okay. turned out. Like, uh, I can give you another Jays one, 1993. What? Jays trade Steve Carse to Oakland for Ricky Henderson. That's the good, the bad, the ugly, okay? You know why? I'm going to tell you. First of all, Ricky Henderson, he was a valuable piece at the time, but Steve Carse won 15 games one year for Oakland, didn't he? No. His he highest uh, career wins was 10, and 10 for Cleveland in 99. Oh, I thought he won 14. Anyways. No, he didn't. He played 11 years in the majors. Never did nothing. He ended up no. going to bullpen. F- 40 40 starts, 357 uh, games total. But only 40 starts, right? Yeah, only 40 and starts. And he was supposed to be, see, this is the, this is the uh, I'm glad you brought it up because that's the first page in our, are the prospects worth it? Was it worth it? Now, obviously, when we traded Steve Carsey at the time, I was a little nervous because this kid looked like, we're, and we're gonna, we knew we were only going to get Ricky Henderson for 10 minutes. Yeah. That's what I was worried about. Pure rental. Pure rental. I think he went right went back to Oakland after. Oh, right, or, or to New York, one of the two. But I think any, it was Oakland. He yeah, went right, Oakland. Right, right, right back to Oakland. So it was because it, it was the end of his contract too, right? Yeah. So I knew that, but, um, but but that's where you question it. Is it worth the prospect? You know what I mean? Because I'm, I thought Steve Carsey was going to be a so, solid starter. He was like in the Aaron Sanchez, Noah Syndergaard, and we'll get to those guys in the second deal. So at that time, I would have said, "Oh my God, no!" Like because we're only going to get Ricky for 10, 10, 10, yeah. um for 10 minutes but here's the other thing that's with the the um this is what the good thing about the toronto blue jays and the toronto fan base has learned in that time and that's 30 years ago okay you weren't around to realize that when we had that strike season this city kicked baseball to the curb so oh, I, I know about it people still talk about uh, it it blew <laughs> me away it's, it's 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 the evolution of me becoming a blue jay fan because there was a lot of mitigating circumstances went on at that time, okay? Yeah. First of all, winning back-to-back World Series. Now, do you know how, how great is that? Yeah, you don't see it. Second to nothing. Yeah. Okay, so now here it is from my perspective. So now back in the day, how old was I then? So you're talking about I'm a little older than you. I'm in my 30s then, okay? I'm in my mid-30s, baseball junkie at that time, who suddenly go, go going out to bars and go, I hate the Blue Jays. Fuck the Blue Jays. F baseball. I'm never going to a game again. That's when they started questioning the dome. That dome's ugly for baseball anyway. We're playing in a in a in a pinball machine. Blah 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 blah. It went on and on. Meanwhile, not only did they have the strike, we had the aforementioned Belgians. Yes. And a Roberto Alomar contract coming up in the prime of his career. Yeah. Toronto blew all of it, all, all every element of that. that well, they already started blowing out the team before Alomar. Agreed, but that was because of the Belgians. But you see, that, well, exactly. Okay, it was the perfect storm of stupidity. Because what I'm trying to get at is that why why the 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 the, the whole Toronto Blue Jay thing fell off the cliff, but it's come back mightily. 
thank God, because I love baseball, but oh, you got three factors here. It took two decades to repair, though. Oh, that's what I'm saying. It took, it took a long time to bring it all the way back. But, I mean, that's what conspired to happen there. Just think about this. You had a strike, you had a new ownership, and you had a Hall of Famer without a contract. And all three of them went to the demise of the Toronto Blue Jays, who went into... I don't know, the twilight zone of baseball for a number of years. Yeah, they were kind of stuck in that. Like, they were a perennial third-place team. Oh, yeah. Which it was, back it was, in the day, was, got you nowhere. Exactly. And how many prospects I'd like to look at that they traded that were good, bad, or ugly? Um, we traded the outfielder to Philadelphia. Oh, what was his name? He was supposed to be a star. He didn't pan out. Outfielder. I forget his name. I'll think about him. 90s? Maybe. Yeah, 90s or early 2000s. He was an outfielder that we traded, and uh, he was supposed to be a superstar. He never panned out. I forget his name. But anyways, um, when we're talking about prospects, one of the things that really started saying about your prospects and trades um, surrounding the Wayne Gretzky trade to L.A. Yes. Do you remember who one of the pieces they got in that trade? L.A.? Yeah. No, Edmonton. Oh, Edmonton. Um, Do you know one of the pieces they got, which was a beyond a prospect? It was... um, he started off in Detroit, Jimmy Carson. Oh, well, he wasn't really a pro. He had already put up like 100 points in L.A. at that time, hadn't he? He had already been a 50-goal scorer. Yeah. So what happened was L.A., but I'm saying that I thought at the time, when you're getting Wayne Gretzky, you're never going to get your value. No. But they got Jimmy Carson, and the defenseman was good, too. He ended up being better, I think it was. It wasn't Kevin Lowe, but it was a defenseman. No, no, no. Okay, who would they traded? In any event, if you checked the Gretzky trade, there was any- anyways. So th- I know Martin Jelena went to Edmonton as part of that trade. Yeah, he was part of that trade too. Yeah, and they were all Detroit prospects to begin with, which was just a big call because uh, actually Jimmy Carson was um, drafted by the Detroit Red Wings. Mm-hmm. He went to LA as a free agent. Oh, interesting. I think that's how it went there. I could be wrong. You could look that up. But my point being is that what do you want to get? You want to get the most value in a trade, and and even though this wasn't really trade, it was during the off season. What did Jimmy Carson do after that? Within five years, he was out of the league. 50-goal score. Yeah. So you never know the value of your players. Yeah, okay. So Carson and Jelena were the only roster players to go to Edmonton that trade. Yeah, exactly. But it then, was a three first-round picks oh, and yeah. cash were the other pieces. One of the first-round picks turned out to be pretty good for Edmonton. I like to know who they – did they mention Ruchinsky? Nah. The, the other guys – That was Martin Ruchinsky, right? Yeah. Nah. Because the other guys were Jason Miller and Nick Stud. Juhar. Oh, I thought they. I no. thought they had gotten a guy like Kevin Lowe or. Um, the funny thing is, Edmonton got the three best. Or sorry, L.A. got the three best pieces in the deal: Gretzky, Krusalinski, and uh, McSorley. Oh no, it was a steal <laughs> of all time, especially with Krusalinski being the great second, third line two-way player yep, that he yep. was. So, anyways, what I'm saying about it is that okay, not that Jimmy Carson was a prospect, but you would think that in in a trade of that value, you got some. You got some. And and Martin was looking like a good. He was what he like 21, 22 at the time too. Jean- yeah, he yeah, and he ended up playing the league for like what, fifteen years? Oh, a long, long time. So you'd think they'd get it there, but it doesn't always work out that way. No. When the main guy gets there, and I, because I, I thought Jimmy Carson was going to be a Hall of Famer. I mean, I guess this kind of karma came and bit LA at the other end when they traded him to St. Louis. They basically got nothing back from the Blues. No, no, they they got robbed too. Yeah. So and it, it was on the way. It just made me think about like what what what's the value in prospects or what's the value of a player? Sometimes they get overrated and sometimes they do. Well, I think in the case of baseball, going back to that, like oh, you can make the argument that like 99% of prospects are overrated. Oh, now we're going to get there. Yeah. But then we have the the ones that really blow my mind. I forgot about this. Did you know Do you know where Larry Anderson was? The name rings a bell. Okay. 
Larry Anderson was a Chris Bassett type pitcher. <laughs> In what way? Uh, he'll he'll win you 14 games. Okay. Give you 250 innings. He but, didn't. He wasn't a head case. That okay. Bassett is okay. Do you know who they traded him for? A young Jeff Bagwell. Hmm. Uh, I remember that trade too, but nobody knew who Bagwell was. Not that time. But at the Red Sox, we're doing is that if you got to figure, if you go back to that, that's 1990, August 30th. Boston was in the heat of a pennant race. They, they won, won the division that year, didn't they? I'm pretty sure that they did. They they came down the track like like we want to win. They still had Roger Clemens, Roger Clemens and all yep. that time, and they were going to go for it. And they said, "Let's go." At the time, I, well, how old was um, Jeff Bagwell at the time? I can't even remember. But um, um, when they traded him, look what Bagwell turned out to be. So what is he, one in ten prospects that turn out to be that good? Yep. Because, you know, what are you going to get for your prospects? That was horrible. The other one, the only one worse is to me was John Smoltz. So Bagwell would have been 22 at the time. 22 at the time, okay? So that's what you, you got for your prospects, okay? So I want to read out some of his uh, award voting that came the next few years. So 91 the next year, Rookie of the Year. Rookie of the Year, yeah. Next year, 19th place in MVP. Next year, 20th place MVP. The next year, MVP. MVP. <laughs> <laughs> Plus a gold glove, silver slugger, all-star. Oh, yeah. yeah. All of the above. Now, I forget who the executive one could have been. Dan Duquette. That okay. sounds to him at the time. He uh, he was he is now admitted that was one. Was Dan Duquette or the other guy? I forget. There's a famous general manager has admitted, like, um, yeah, they got hit by a bus that day. <laughs> because Bagwell was there. But Bagwell, at the time I heard, was striking a lot out a lot. That was a problem with him. He was a strikeout. He was a hit-and-miss guy. He hadn't developed that hitting style that he yeah. had gotten. You know what I mean? But he ended up turning out to be a great player. and Oh, obviously, Hall of Famer, even though I thought he was borderline Hall of Fame at the time. I'm, I'm a tough guy. I'm old-school Hall of Fame. <laughs> I think he was a borderline t- Hall of Fame. But He's like a 300-hitter over his career. Come on. But the last three or four years, he was like, it was, he was like Cabrera. Cabrera at the end. But Cabrera's going to Hall of Fame, too. Even his last season, he still hit 250. Did he? Yeah. Who do he play for still? He's, Houston, he's, he's, his whole, yeah, his whole yeah, career. Stayed there, yeah. That, that's probably one of the reasons he got in. Played with Biggio all the time. Yep. Gavin they were Biggio, the but, second first baseman, yep. But at the same time, when Boston gets fleeced like that, like a few years later, and I never understood this one. Seattle Mariners, 1997, were taking a run at the pennant, and they needed bulk pen help. They got Heathcliff Slocomb. Do you remember this guy? No. This guy was like Rodney. What was that, Rodney? What's the guy in the last couple of years? Fernando Rodney. Fern- <laughs> he was a Did he fr- wear his hat like his? Uh, he, he, was, he was that kind of character, okay? Do you know what freaking Seattle gave up to get this guy? Derek Lowe and Jason Veritek. Wow. What a package. <laughs> they were prospects. Wow. They were pro- think about that, and they were part of that whole. Later, when they won the World Series, oh, Veritek was the captain. He was the, the glue. Okay, that's what I'm saying. So that's what sometimes you think about prospects. Okay, but at the same wow. time, as we move along the list, as we go over the year and we look at things, there's other things like. Um, um, uh, there's I, some crazy baseball ones I got here. Oh yeah, me too. And, and one of them, when you, you don't know what you're going to get, because like I'm talking about at the time when look at when they traded Jose Batista. He got traded to Pittsburgh for Scott Casimir and Jose Diaz. Now, Jose Diaz never became a regular player. But Scott Casimir, for a moment, looked like he was going to be a Cy Young guy for a number of seasons, Mm -hmm. didn't he? He ended up having a pretty decent career. Not bad, but I mean, okay, so you trade, okay, the Mets, they traded Jose (laughs) Batista. Oh, yeah. 
which later went on. They traded him to Toronto Blue Jays. So who missed the boat? from Pittsburgh. I'm Pittsburgh, but I'm yeah. saying he was original prospect for the New York Mets. Yeah. So he's a two-time prospect. Well, no, he started to hit in Pittsburgh. But I don't think they had room for him on the bench. They had four yeah. outfielders or five outfielders at the time. They made a mistake on the wrong guy. And they were playing him at third base a lot. And, they, oh, and yeah. he was never a third baseman. No. They were trying to make him a third baseman. Remember, we tried to make him a third baseman yeah, for 10 minutes. Yeah. No, nah, he wasn't a third baseman. Great arm. Sure. Great you arm. play him at first. No, nah, but you needed his arm. That's why he turned yeah. out to be a good right fielder. Because nobody ran on Batista. No. Once he came to Toronto, <laughs> he came on here. But isn't it interesting that he's a two-time um, – um, uh, trade deadline prospect because we got him yeah. at the midseason too. Remember, because yeah, we yeah. gave um, where we traded for Pittsburgh, we gave them something because Barry Bonds was still playing for Pittsburgh then, and they were trying to make those runs with Batista. No, they were trying to look. We gave up pitching for Batista, I yeah. believe. Yeah, no, but Bonds would have been on the Giants or by then. Yeah. No, was yeah, he by no, the by no, then? Giants that like he went. Uh... He's played a number of years in Giants. He didn't get them almost to the two thousands. No, ninety three. I would think he went to the Giants. Well, we should look it up. Yeah. Okay. Another horrible, horrible trade that I couldn't understand is um, a great prospect was Jay Bruner for the Yankees. He ended up playing third base for Seattle, what, forever? Yep. With the power, hit 40 home runs now. The thing about him that I often heard about is that would he have hit 40 home runs for the Yankees? I said in Yankee Stadium compared to the old dome that he had to play in, he should have hit 50 at freaking Yankee Stadium. You know what I mean? Like, can you hear those numbers? And he was a hardcore player, and people didn't... Yankees needed guys like that at the time. Who was Ken Phelps? A relief pitcher. Yeah. Another guy they needed in the bullpen. So sometimes I'm going, we're going to find a whole bunch of guys where this didn't work out for, for them, you know, because sure. you take those pitchings going on. But, Jay, when I when I was researching this, and I seen Jay Bruner got, got traded for this guy, that's where you failed on your prospects, Okay. Now, if we keep going down, look at some of the prospects, because they always say, is that the famous one? Frank Costanza on Seinfeld. That's a famous, and I don't yeah. watch Seinfeld, yeah. but I always hear, I've heard broadcasters. Um, always game at Steinbrenner in his living room for trading. Um, Jeff, Jay Bruner. Yeah, 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 Jay Bruner, yeah, yeah. That's what I'm saying, and I've never watched Seinfeld, but I've heard, uh, that's like a, it's, it's not a meme, but it's one of those. No, it is a meme. Is it a meme? Yeah. Yeah. The broadcasters have, have done that, Costanza, I've never yeah. seen the episode, never seen it, was never a Seinfeld guy. But I've heard broadcasters refer to I that. You, which I, I think, think you'd really enjoy the episodes where George works for the Yankees. Oh, I know. I Those heard they're funny. absolutely, yeah, that's what I mean. And being a baseball guy, I should yeah. check them out because it's absolutely hilarious when he comes home blowing a gasket because yeah. they J. Jay Bruner. But they did that after the fact, the episode, so they, they, they were able to sure, manipulate sure. manipulate the placing of that in well, the plus, show. Well, plus Steinbrenner had to sign off on all that. Oh, yeah, he did, yeah. Yeah, which he did, which was hilarious. Which is why for... The early episodes of Seinfeld, I guess the later ones too. Jerry always had a Mets hat because he's a Mets fan. Oh yeah, in the background. But the years where George was working for the Yankees, they had to be a Yankees hat. Oh yeah, in the back- background. They always which, do that. Yeah. Oh yeah, we haven't known Seinfeld was a freaking Mets fan since he's a kid. He was and he went to he went to Shea Stadium all yeah. the time. His dad brought him to Shea Stadium. You know what I mean? And you know what? That's an interesting thing when we talk about who, how you love things in baseball. It's interesting. Although he's a Giants fan, which is a little uncommon. Usually it's Jets Mets, right? I find, and I don't know why if I should bring this up because we don't want to, but I mean, I found it like including the Tony Kornheisers of the world and a few other ones. I found that um, Jewish New Yorkers like the Mets more than they like Yankees. Really? Uh, yeah, there's, a, there's, a, there's not, there's Sam, um, 
Um, what's his name too? That did curb your enthusiasm? Larry David. Larry David. Oh, he's a Yankees fan. Is he? Is he's he a Yankees, Yankees fan? Okay. Um, who is the other big guy in there? I find it interesting. A few of those guys, and they—they're anti-Yank. <laughs> Huge. Like I'm in New York. New York. The Mets didn't come around until 1961. Yep. You know what I mean? So why wouldn't you be a Yankee fan? Wouldn't they be first in the city? Well, they. they no, are. they are still. But I mean, like all these, like I forget who. It but is I mean, to. like the 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 divide between the like the number of Yankees versus Mets fans, it's like closer to fifty fifty than you might think it is. I hope so. Yeah, I hope so. It is too because I they're gonna they got capitalize on those Yankees haters, you know. Oh no, kidding! And you know what, Jay Z's a big Yankee fan. Yep, he is. You, go, you, you get some of those guys there, then you get the other guys like Nas. Of Nas, I think, is, is he became a Mets fan because when he was became the big rapper, he was. And I think is that because he was against Jay Z. <laughs> Jay Z had the hand on, and Nas That's would wear funny. the Mets hat. You never know about that kind of ridiculousness, anyway. But anyway, let's get back onto the prospects. Uh, so you brought up. Uh, Scott Casimir before. I want to bring him up as like a positive. So the Tampa Bay traded Victor Zambrano to the Mets and at the 2004 trade deadline, they ended up getting Scott Casimir, which I ended up thinking was a good deal because Zambrano went right downhill after, after he, that he looked he like a good last, he did not last longer much i think he was done by the end of the year the next season he no was he last so this was oh four he his last season was oh seven. Oh, he got to oh seven yeah. but his numbers but it, are never great oh uh, seven his era was over 10 oh. so he was a souvenir giver <laughs> at the time you know what it is though that i'm funny you brought that up because i i know that comes up later but that's another one of those situations where scott casimir was two times Oh, yeah, no, no, he was just in that trade. Yeah, yeah. That, then Batista went on from the other one, yeah. And then 07, Texas trades Mark Teixeira to Atlanta oh. for Elvis Andrews. Interesting trade. Yeah. Who got the better of that, do you think? I would really. say Texas, because, like, how much did Teixeira last in Atlanta for? Ten minutes. And when, what they do there with him, nothing. No, and he was more of a Yankee in the end, wasn't he? Yeah, I think right after that he went to the Yankees. And he had good, yeah. n- good numbers, which is kind of weird, because that means that they got burned. Like, did he want to be there? He said he got traded there. Is that was he pissed off? Like, you just know, sounds I mean? like he just wanted to be anywhere but Texas. <laughs> that's that what, time. Uh, yeah. that's what I mean. And it just seems so weird because you know another one. Well, now, Texas was a mess at that time. Oh like, yeah, yeah, like yeah, yeah. A Rod and all that. That's in that franchise. And back then, like and 10 then, years. and not only that, George Bush just left the ownership, yep. and they're getting new ownership in. And Nolan Ryan came in. Ah, you're right. It was in, in there. But another one that I and we're talking about people that are making ridiculous trades is I still never remember in 2010. And I didn't know who he was at the time, but just think about this. San Diego trades Corey Kluber in a oh, three-way wow. trade. One of the main guys was Ryan Ludwig. Who, that guy was nothing. You know, yeah. you know he wasn't bad. He, he was kind of like um, Grishek. Grishek, the guy we had in Toronto a couple years ago. Grishek. Grishek. Yeah, well, yeah. That, that kind yeah of, he was like, okay. Okay, you know what I'm saying? But the deal was, you traded Corey Kluber? You blew it on that prospecting, weren't you? Looking like, come on, this guy was... Two times two Cy Young Award winner. Ludwig would hit 228 in 160 games for the Padres. That's just a disaster of the freaking. Like when I read that one, I said, So, you know, what, what was your prospect? Who is your, who's in your uh, war room? Mm-hmm. Who makes those decisions? Who decides on this? I'll never, ever understand that. Like, I'm saying, like, there's the. Um, if you get a ring. Does a ring doesn't matter? The ring is, is the chip is to be all and all. So if you get the one chip, does that mean who gives a shit about the prospects? Who gives a shit about everything? Depends on how good the prospect is. Well, that's because... Well, if you're trying to Hall of Famer, ooh. You know, but like, I mean... Like, I uh, uh, this is one I didn't write down, but uh, 
St. Louis or Calgary trading away Brett Hall. Oh, yeah, but they got oh. a Stanley Cup out of it. That's that's true too. So that's what I'm saying. Wonder, but Brett, Brett, Brett Hall could barely skate. That remember how terrible the skater he was? Well, I wasn't around, but okay, yeah, he was terrible. <laughs> like he is skating. I've heard, I've heard. Oh, he, he he like he went to power skating schools. He went to those uh, figure skating people. Like he didn't skate like that. <laughs> okay, let's put it that way. He wasn't. He was no golden jet, but he had those wrists. Yeah. Which is different. He had better wrists than his dad, but he um, and nobody. And I think that they uh, at, at that particular point in time they beat Montreal too, didn't they? Mm-hmm. I believe, which pissed me off. Didn't what about? Um, sorry. No, go ahead. I was to say another trade: Cleveland, two thousand eight. They trade CC Sabathia to Milwaukee, and they get uh, a package including Zach, news bases, Zach Johnson, Rob Bryson, One of Matt the- Laporta. And Michael Brantley. Yeah. And Michael Brantley turned to be out okay, but those are four prospects. All those guys were under 25. No, two of them were, they wanted them there, but because they thought they would rebuild their team. But you traded CC Sabathia. He was a rental, though. He he was at the end of his contract. That's true, too. But none of those, you know what? And, and it, it, but my, Michael Brantley ended up turning out pretty okay. <sighs> but you know why? The, the main reason was because Sabathia didn't stay. Mm-hmm. So that's the reason that they ended up getting the better. Michael Brantley was a better part of that deal only because Sebastian left town, which I thought they should have better management re-signed him. Yeah. You know what I mean? Why didn't you just re-sign the guy? Well, maybe right? they were concerned about uh, some off-field issues, let's just say. Uh, CC's, re- <laughs> CC's redeemed himself, he I has, think, now. He has. I think he really but has. at the time. Oh, there's a lot of rumblings yeah. around about the guy. You know uh, what I mean? 2009, Philadelphia trades Carlos Carrasco to Cleveland for Cliff Lee. I don't know. You know why? Because Cliff Lee, I'm going to, you know, that was funny you brought up because I've got a Cliff Lee trade here that I wanted to bring up before. The next year? Yeah. No. Yeah, I have, no. Which what year? Okay. Let me, where, I'm trying to figure out where do I have the, the Cliff Lee one. What year was that again? 2009. 2009. I have another trade here where he got traded in 2010. Yeah. Seattle that, to Texas. Yeah. That's interesting. Right? But Cliff Lee, do you think, who do you think won? I think I'd rather have Carlos Carrasco now. Exactly. In the, in the long term. I mean, if, if Philly had won another World Series, different story. But they lost in the World Series that year to the Yankees, I believe. Yeah, not only and that. Then be- it, and then they just kept getting worse. It was like, one World Series, lost the World Series, losing the CS, lost dun, the CS next dun, year, dun, uh, the playoffs. Yeah. But Cliff Lee became the um, perennial hired gun. Oh, for sure. Because, you know, in that year, um, like, when did we came up? Because he stayed around the league for longer. Remember we kicked his tires? And the like, Jays? The Jays, like, even up to 2015. Because remember he had won. Remember that one season he had for whatever it was? He, he went crazy. We didn't go, but we, we sniffed around for him. Sure. You know what I mean at the time? Because him a hired gun. Because he got, he, at the end, he was in the playoffs every year for somebody. Yeah. You well, know? him and CeCe, they were quite oh. dangerous for the Indians. Yeah, and not only that. If I can say yeah, that. And, and not, yeah, but not only that, but I thought that for sure that that combination should have given Cleveland. Like, Cleveland never got a World Series. And all those times they had around there, and they weren't a big market team, and they didn't always have the biggest payrolls. They always kicked it around. They had yeah. a couple starters, and they couldn't get over the hump. That was just like, a, oh, yeah, sorry about your luck. And what about all the times that? Uh, well, actually, 2014 was last year Cliff Lee pitched in the majors. So was that the year in 2013 to when did we have a kick at the can as the Blue Jays? Because he was still a trade line. People thought they could pick him up as a rental way. Maybe way 2014. No, because he's been gone for then. Maybe 2013. Were we ever in the hunt then? We were in the hunt one nah, of those years. And 2014 we maybe. I'd have to check the standings again. Oh, I'd have to check them too. 
I'm looking around. But I, he, I remember 2014 being a lot better than 2013 for the Chiefs. Oh, uh, that, yeah, yeah. That 83 wins. They were one game out of second, so maybe. We, we kicked at him because we thought we could make a run to make the playoffs, and we didn't do it because I forget who we had to give up. But I'm doing saying this is, I think, Probably like Brett Laurie, who they ended up trading anyways. Yes, it was one of those kind of deals, which is interesting you brought him up because there's a prospect that didn't do anything. But I always found this trail interesting, and we ended up with this guy. Did you ever see the trades for Josh Donaldson? Yes. That, that little sequence was a little bit crazy because he was a trade deadline guy or around the trade deadline. Look, they trade him. The Cubs trade him. And that was in 2008 where Cubs are making a whole bunch of noise. So the, the thing is, is that um, Donaldson's a tra- prospect that shouldn't have been traded because he kind of got lost in Oakland at the time with his power. Because remember, he was only hitting so many home runs, but he was playing in that freaking huge ballpark. Yeah. How many times did he foul out on those huge foul plans? How many times mm-hmm. did he hit balls to the freaking warning track that would have been out at the dome? Like, just add it all up for Donaldson, and then suddenly we steal him? But well, we didn't yeah, get Oakland, him at the trade time. We didn't get him at the trade time. No, he was, off, season, he was like but, a, a winter meetings, I believe we got him. But the fact that they But Oakland him, knew what they had. Because he was an MVP candidate in 2014. I no, one of them, because he had a good season. Yeah. I ended up he was fourth or fifth in the voting. But my thing is, the Chicago Cubs, what did they get for Donaldson? Nothing. Yeah, Matt Merton, Eric Patterson, Sean Gallagher, and Rich Harden, and Sean Godin. All these guys pitched for 10 minutes. The Jays didn't get much for him either, if I No, remember. but we, they did say it would take five years before the Cub realized the mistakes they made because he was so because you know because he was so young at the time. But let's just look at uh, what did these guys do? Injury-prone Harden didn't do nothing. Five and one down the stretch in 12 starts and never played again. And, and what's his name? Chad Godin. They ended up trading that guy. What good was he? You know what I mean? So you never know, like, to trade him that young in his career. So you can't really blame the Cubs. No. Maybe. But, I mean, he went on in, in, in Oakland. And I know when we got him, I thought, I thought we, in, in, in hindsight, we was on that. I thought we got the second score of Chapman. But Chapman's never going to be a Donaldson for no, us no, now. No. You know what I mean? And, I mean, the Jays didn't even give up that much in the if you really look at it they gave up Brett Laurie who's like the big piece at the time even oh, though he never I'm really glad turned we got out. rid of him because we we traded for him from Oakland didn't we and he went back to Oakland no we got him from Milwaukee or Milwaukee yeah. then he went back yeah. there yeah um Sean Nolan Kendall now, Graveman and Franklin Barreto who never really amounted to much no was he a pitcher too wasn't he Barreto I believe so yeah and he was a bum here yeah. he, he had a Nolan good... and Graveman were pitchers too right they all look good in Syracuse at the time or Buffalo or everyone they all looks look good, good in Syracuse, Syracuse and here yeah. they go but that's an interesting one because um Josh, uh, Josh Donaldson's still playing but even though he's terrible his numbers he are declining fast. oh he should be done yeah he, yeah he he should be done I'm sorry to hear that about him but oh uh, my god I just so do you know what we got for him from Cleveland Nothing. A player to be named later who ended up being Ooh. Julian Merriweather. No way. Another junk oh, guy. You know what I'm saying? Uh, Merriweather was one of those times. Ever saw, ever, every time you saw those doors open up and he came out, you're like, ooh. Okay, so now when you're... on your fist. Okay, so now you're thinking about it, and I know they made this trade because it was all about the money and they couldn't re-sign him, and the A's again. Here's that guy, Eric Ludwig, the guy that they picked up, St. Louis, okay, they, they, what do they do? They trade him to freaking Oakland to get Mark McGuire. Oh. He's involved in that trade. So it's those journeyman guys. You think that everyone thinks that they're going to make it to get him the next team. He's going to be on the next team. This is Ryan Ludwig. I remember him being in lineups all the time, but he never did anything. Mm-hmm. He was always that guy. He was going to be that guy. 
It's going to get next level. Nothing. And you trade away. But I understand why um, Oakland made that trade at the time because they weren't going to sign McGuire. They weren't going to get no money. Yeah. Like, they, there's no way they're going to sign him for the money that St. Louis did. You know what I'm saying? But, uh, you know. I, I want to bring up a couple big trades from the trade deadline of 2015. Okay. So, one, Cincinnati Reds trade Johnny Cueto to Kansas City for Brandon Finnegan, John Lamb, and Cody Reed. <laughs> Did anyone get fired in that trade? Did they fire? Come on. Johnny Cueto, and I don't know if you remember, 2015 Johnny Cueto, that was a man on a mission. That guy could have been the best pitcher in baseball at that moment. Yeah. Like, who was pitching better than Johnny Cueto not at that time? Guys, like, not no. many guys. He was, and he was coming in, and he had that, that. Remember those two pitches? The fastball and that hook coming oh. out of the same motion. You didn't know what it was. He buckled guys' knees. No, that was filthy. He, he, was, he was very, 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 very nasty. And, and you know, it, he's playing now. Eh? He's trying to kick around. Yep. He's trying to get around. I, I think he's playing for Kansas City or again, somebody yeah. again. I mean, I'm, I'm sorry it didn't work out that way. But, but K- hey, Casey rode him to the World Series that year. They that's ended up true, too. Yeah. They ended up winning, so he got to give him the bang. But now he's just he's just kicking around. There's a few other, um, um, uh, a couple times that we're going to talk about um, things we should get back to hockey really quickly. And, and I just have can... one more baseball sure. one I really want to bring up. Sure. Actually, two more baseball ones. Good. Uh, Blue Jays trade Daniel Norris. Gyro Laborte Bomb. and Never Matt Boyd to Detroit for David Price. <laughs> okay, you know what? I wish we could have kept him lining because Matt Boyd's still playing in the league. He is. I'm not saying he's great, but he's been he's trying not, to... He hasn't been spectacular. But he's been a prospect that we thought would be better, and I thought this year was going to be his breakout year. I, th- I think I, I might have mentioned it on our baseball show. Would he be a guy breaking out? Because he's still... Is he 30? Yeah, but come just on, over 30? there. No, he never turned out to be. No. And, and who do we else we trade with him? Daniel yeah. Norris. Yeah, he's never turned out to be either. Oh, he was he, a, he was a guy with a lot of hype though. But then oh, like, huge. We thought maybe we shouldn't have traded him too. I thought that we give up too much. I'll be honest with you. Yeah. I thought did we give up too much? Well, it, it was the big prospects I was worried about that time were uh, him, and then when we trade J- Jeff Francis to Colorado for oh, yeah. uh, Tulo. Uh, then Francis said, then he, he never heard his name again. Never, and I was another guy. That's what I want to bring up. I just, I, I'm saying to myself, I remember we traded Jen because I thought, uh, I thought Tulo was a little bit too injured, even though he played well for us in the playoffs. He's never been anything since because his injury, the, the, the bat was just wasn't there. No, was the he lost his bat speed and, and the injuries on him. But when we trade up Jess Francis, because Francis was what 22 at the time, if that, yeah. I was scared. I was scared. But that's another reason we're saying: Are the prospects worth? The trade. And we're going to see that over, uh, like, e- even recently. Like, let's Austin look. Martin. Oh, there you go. That's what I'm saying. But then again, I think that w- I wish we had tre- uh, Trevor Darno back. Oh, well, sure. That, that's yeah. one of the guys that we go in there. But if you if you go look over, in the, before we end this, look over in the hockey, the hockey end of the thing. I'm sure you've got a few there that you want to oh, bring yeah. up, don't you? Uh, absolutely. Okay, then go Should ahead. Let's get started. Uh, actually, there's one more baseball one. I forgot okay. to get to. Nin- 2019. Dodgers, or sorry, Nationals trade Max Scherzer and Trey Turner to the Dodgers for Josiah Gray and Kybert Ruiz. Fired again. <laughs> Someone should have been fired. Is that money, though? Because one thing we haven't brought up is sometimes this has to do with, like, the McGuire one there, and when we're talking about trade deadline, sometimes it has to do with salary caps, not in baseball, but in the sure. hockey world. Some of the time of these things, like, they, they come up there, is maybe that a, a deal for money that they couldn't afford them? Nah, they could afford yeah. Scherzer. Come on, Scherzer. They could afford him. That's just a horrible trade. Yeah, it is. Absolutely horrible. And where were those guys? Are we ever going to see those guys? Probably not. <laughs> oh, boo. Now we can move on to hockey, I guess. Yes, please uh, do. 1999, Calgary trades Theo Fleury and Chris Dingman to Colorado for Rene Corbert, Wade Belak, and Robin Regeer. 
Interesting trade. I think Calgary won in that, didn't they? Uh, Regeer was like a fixture of their blue line for the next ten plus years. So but yes. then I, they, you know what? I really and I and, and I don't want to. Um, I, I don't want to. One of the things I've said in this show, and I'm going to steadfast by, is I don't want to. I don't. I'm not very empathetic about some things that happen in sports. So I think I know who you're getting at. Okay, so maybe is that the reason why Calgary shipped the third flurry out of town? Because well, look, he still had some tread on the tire. Uh, sure, you know what I sure. mean, and he did play hard. But is that one of those I mean, reasons? We didn't know that. Didn't, that wasn't coming up then. Oh, it was on the inside. People knew on People the inside, knew in the, but yeah, yeah but club. but not. But is it so? But we didn't know what the issues were at the time. So is that a reason why he got sent down the road? Hundred percent. You know what I mean. Hundred percent. And that's that's too bad. We didn't know any of this. And I mean, his numbers in Colorado, like he was lighting it up. In one fi- year, he lit it up. For not even a quarter of the season, but like for 15, the 15 games he played in Colorado in the regular season, 24 points. Yeah, but he was a Tasmanian the devil. 18, and then the 18 playoff games, he had 17 points. So. Oh, yeah, and he played well. And I think Very he had a well. vial in the room every game before every thing. I shouldn't say that, but he you think admit- Joe Sackick was like looking over his shoulder. Oh, hundred percent. But one of the reasons that he went there is because they thought Joe Sackick could freaking put a governor on him because they've known each other from their junior days. Sure. Didn't they play on the same team? Uh, or, or no, before that, no. Joe Sackett no, was on the bus so. crash, though. Was he was on that bad bus crash, wasn't he? Really? I think he was on that bad bus. Remember then, in juniors, a couple guys got killed way before Humboldt. There was a, a junior hockey accident, and a couple guys got killed. I think Sackett was on that bus. But no, they there, played there for different junior teams. Uh, Sackett played for Swift Current. Uh, Flurry played for Moose Jaw. Oh, but both were in Saskatchewan. I know there's a Saskatchewan connection. Maybe that's it then. I knew there was something, maybe even minor league hockey, but I knew that Sackick had something to do with Fleur. Yeah, Swift Current, Madison. Yeah, they're both in Saskatchewan. So Fleur's from Saskatchewan. I didn't know. Yeah, he. Yeah, he is. He's from. I don't think Sackick's from Saskatchewan. No, he's from Burnaby, BC. Yeah, yeah, but he went and played there. But in any event, I think that that was a crazy ass trade. That they should never have done that. But I'm I'm going. But where are those prospects? Where did they go? Well, I mean, Regeer ended up, he's the only guy. Oh, he was, no, something. he he was solid. Yeah, I, I will admit. But I mean, like, um, I'm going back to, uh, I want to see a couple of Montreal ones where we screwed up dramatically, you know? Yeah, like, for example, we traded. Oh, God, I can bring up a Leaf one off the top of my head. Okay, so here's. I don't even need to see the numbers. Okay, so this was in 2020, and he was past his best before date. When did Michael Pekka come into the league? Mid nineties, maybe. Mid nineties, yeah. So we we had a we had a, a a a thing on him, and we let him go. You dra- uh, Montreal drafted, drafted him. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. How did we let him go? He was one that that, that they stole. Okay, um, that we we shouldn't have let go. What what other what another great Montreal? Because we had terrible management. Did you know that? Better be careful. I'm guys still do. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, maybe, maybe I'm 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 uh, nervous. I'm trying to get back in time a bit here, because I know like uh, even though it was off season, we made some uh, like hellacious trade. When did we tra- did we trade Chelios in the off season? He didn't want to stay. Uh, Montreal never had Pekka. The Vancouver actually had him in trade. Oh yeah, but he went to Buffalo, right? Yeah. So he Buffalo- was traded. Here it is from Vancouver with Mike Wilson and a round one pick. Okay, so Buffalo got McGillney out of it, though. Oh, right. That yeah. was the deal. That was... That or, was... sorry, Vancouver got McGillney out of it. Excuse me. And, Mc... you know, he never had the years that he had, you know, because McGillney was another head case. Is he, in the... Is he another guy that they're trying to get in the Hall of Fame? They're trying to... I think he should be in there. Really? Yeah. 250 goal seasons he had? Yeah. He's... He scored 76 one year, though. Oh, he was amazing. <laughs> 
he was he was Burry's buddy. That's why they tried to get him over there, and it was too late. You know that? Oh, how many years did he score fifty goals? McGillney. Let me yeah. look that up quickly. I don't think that uh, he he gets skating. You know when he was a Russian? Can I just say that? You know, he had. Yeah, two fifty goal seasons. He scored forty. I was just gonna say scored. Time. Yeah, he scored. Yeah, he scored forty in his day. But he never played defense. Uh, he's a winner. He was it's a okay. chair picker. So I don't know. All cherry pickers go to the Hall of Fame. Should have done more. Did he win a Stanley Cup? No. What's uh, he doing now? He's drinking yeah, in he Russia. Did. Yeah, he did. What? New Jersey, two thousand. Oh right, but yeah, but he was. What was he on that team? Was he a significant player? Yeah, I think he scored thirty some goals that year, didn't he? Uh, well, he actually. He had a good year. Funny enough, he? he was a deadline guy. And yeah, he was. Yeah, but he, did he get some? Uh, I, I think he did okay. But that that was his. That was his. Um, his numbers weren't great that first season in New Jersey, but the next year he was played really well for them. But they lost in the finals to Colorado. But what did he score? Forty goals that year, thirty something. Forty three. Right? Yeah, forty three. I do remember that because he had a comeback. I think he quit drinking or something. Yeah. So he was traded from Vancouver to New Jersey for Brendan Morrison and Dennis Peterson and. Brendan Morrison ended up being a pretty good piece for Vancouver, was the center for that uh, West Coast Express line with Bertuzzi oh, right, and Maslin. Right, so right, yeah, that was pretty good. Not I, bad for both teams. Uh, okay, that, that's true. I forget about McGillney because, you know, the thing about that guy was that some days, he, the, the 76 goal season, were you old enough to remember that? No. It was the year I was born. Okay, there yeah. you go. So you don't remember that. The, the, guy could, the guy could fly, okay? What was his plus minus? Can you look that oh. up for me? Just to see, 76 goals. If he's not plus minus 30... He's a bum, okay? And I don't think that he was. He had to be. You know what I mean? What was his plus minus? Plus seven. Oh, <laughs> end of story. As I'm saying. I, what, he was only a minus player like twice in his career, though. But wait a second here. You're going to tell me this? You, you're killing me. Okay, he was also playing with a very mediocre Buffalo squad. I don't give a shit. You scored 76 goals and you're plus seven? Who were his line mates? Oh, um, Danny Gare. Maybe I don't know. Danny Gare was his lineman. Uh, okay, he um Pat LaFontaine was on that team. Old yeah. Dale Howardchuck was on that team. Bob no, Sweeney. Uh Sweeney. Dave Andrewchuck was traded to the Leafs midway that year. Yeah, yeah. Brad May. It was not a good this Buffalo team. Doesn't matter. Good. You no, scored seven. Yes, no, so Who's the best defenseman on that team? Doug Bodger. Oh yeah, he was okay. But no, but no, 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 wait a second here, okay? If you score seventy six goals. And you can't give me a plus. Okay, but hockey's a team game. I don't give a damn. That means yeah, about, then you don't how many power play goals? Minus. How many power play goals? 40? Uh, it doesn't have power play goals. <laughs> yeah, because he scored 40 power play goals or some shit. Come on, man. 76 Is there going to hold that 70? against him? I was never a fan of the guys. Never. You know what I mean? That's when the Russians were coming in and thinking they could get whatever they want and score really good and sit back and just get French girls and drink vodka. Come on. Burry was the difference. It's but sounding very, very personal. Not personal. It's just maybe I got to be curb the way I do so that the house that happens is has no, what do you call it, xenophobic. Homophobic. He had 27 power play goals that year. Oh, okay. So he scored 50 goals, um, about 50 goals on yeah, an even, even strength. strength. Okay. I wonder how many of those 11 were. 11 game winners as well. Oh, that's pretty good because he's the only he one led that. The, he led the league in game winning goals that year. Wow. Okay. And what was Buffalo's record that year? They made the playoffs. I know that because they upset they got- Boston. They were a four seed, though, so they weren't that good. 
Did they win around and then? Yeah, they, they upset Boston the first round. That's the famous uh, May Day May Day one oh, oh, yeah, from that's, that season. Oh, that's great because I'm, I'm glad Boston lost because Boston was supposed to kill them. Buffalo's record: thirty-eight, thirty-six, and ten. Is so, a seventy-six goal score? Yeah. So it didn't really mean it was empty. It was like Varsho home runs, right? <laughs> that's unfair to pin that on McGillney though. He did. He showed up. He did his job. Okay, but you know what, though? I'm, I don't care. Like, we're getting a little off this thing, and I'm glad that yeah, we do so, get up that thing. I just want to bring up the fact that if you score 76 goals, you should be at least a plus 10. Yeah, it, again, that depends on your teammates. Isn't this the lineup. generations have changed, people? Look at the difference. Plus minus is a team stat. We're going to argue about this for the rest of our career. <laughs> and especially, and, and, I would, and, and if you and are going to pin it on... And quality starts. If you are going to pin it on... A player, I would say plus minus means a lot more for defensemen than it does. Oh, for I forwards. agree. I agree. Okay. I'm still saying, but you got to come back check sometimes. What do you do? I hung around center ice. Right? Yeah, your line mate's got to work Having too, a though. Smoke? Come on. That was horrible. Okay, you can't have, you can't score 76 goals and be plus seven. It was a bad team, though. I don't and give let's, it. Let's Damn, move I'm not on. Gonna, okay, okay. Continue on. So, okay, let's go. 2003. Yes. March 5th was the day. Okay. I'm, I'm getting scared. This was coming. Oh, geez. This was, a, this was a big trade deadline for the Leafs. They got Doug Gilmore back. Didn't quite work out. Well, that's okay. We didn't trade much to, uh, to get him back. You got him back from Montreal, too. It was you? from Montreal. Traded a, a sixth-round pick, I believe. And who, it was nothing. He turned Probably out to be not nothing. Much. Okay. But what did you think about that other? Was that a trade deadline, too? Wasn't that when they— Oh, well, let me get to this. Okay, good. The big deal that day, though, Toronto trades. Alan McCauley— Brad Boys in a first round pick in 2003, the loaded 2003 entry draft for Owen Nolan. Whoa. <laughs> and Owen Nolan was not a bad player. Let me put it this put, way. And in, in, in the four, final 14 games of that regular season, scored 12 points. Not bad at all, especially considering it was the height of the trap era. But come playoff time. Seven games against the uh, Philadelphia Flyers. Uh, Grand Tola, two assists. Uh, and, and what was he, minus six? It uh, doesn't have the playoff. My, I don't even want to see it. It's okay. okay. Was that, you know uh, what, though? I thought, who did they trade? Alan McCauley was one, right? Yeah. Oh, he didn't turn and out. He, but he, had, he was coming off was a very good playoff um, run the previous season. I thought that was the, uh, that was the guy that, who was the other two guys? But the guy, Alan Brad Mc Boys, who ended up being. Oh, okay, more in Detroit. He scored, he scored a 40 goal. So he had a 40 goal season. I believe he had. With Detroit, though, right? St. Louis. He did have, oh, yeah, four, yeah, he had 40 so goals. So he right? was he was all rookie in 06 with Boston. Yeah, yeah, okay, remember And then that. he had a 40-goal season with St. Louis, which hurts so much. Oh, yeah, but I thought Alan McCauley was more important piece at the time because of his two-way He flamed play. out, though. That was the thing. Who? That was Brad McCauley? Boyd. Yeah. He flamed out I, I don't huge. think he lasted much Three years. after the lockout. Three years. Yeah. Uh, it was a drag because he looked like a great, he looked like a Guy Carbono light. Yeah, I could see uh, that. Yeah, he was a Guy Carbonell light at the time. Yeah, but he played 06 with San Jose again, and then 07, 10 games with LA. That was his career. Okay, so that was, but you know what? When you guys got Owen Nolan, he was coming off some 40 goal seasons. I know. I thought, I, I, know. I really, I thought, I thought this was an advantage. In hindsight, it wasn't. <laughs> but at the time, I thought it wasn't a bad trade. And Owen Nolan was not, how old was he at the time? 30? He wasn't that old, 31, 32? Yeah, he must have been. It wasn't like he'd been long in his tooth. He was still skating, he was a big power. He was 31. Form. 31, yeah. You know who he was playing a lot like? Um, who was the other binger, wig, winger we had now that never never did anything? He was from Brampton. He was number round, number one overall pick two. Played for the battalions just recently. And he scored a bunch of goals, and then he came. He never did nothing when he got traded. Yeah. Oh, what was his name? Oh, not Owen Nolan. Oh, 
As soon as we see the guy, we're going to know who it is. But he didn't do anything to when he became a trade dime uh, uh, um, acclamation in it, or uh, acquisition, and it didn't go anywhere. Yeah. What was his name now? It's going to drive me crazy. Played for Team Canada. Like an own, an own yeah. played for Team Canada. He did. He did. Okay. But the big piece here that the Leafs gave up was that first rounder in 2003. The pick ended up being 21 overall. Let me read out some players that are still available at 21 overall. Okay. Ryan Kessler. Oh, boy. Mike Richards. Oh. Corey Perry. Oh. All, all were, were available at 21? And, and who Patrice did? Bergeron. Oh, Shea my Weber. God. Oh, my God. And who, who was the 21 pick? Who did it pick? ended up being uh, Mark Stewart. So they screwed up, too. Well, San Jose traded the pick to Boston, who took uh, who Boston has a getting a little bit of a reputation for screwing up in loaded drafts, but that's uh, neither here nor okay. there. Who was the first-round pick that year? The first overall? Yeah. Flurry. It probably should have been Eric Stahl, though. Oh, yeah, it should have been. He went number two. Then Nathan Thor- Horton, three. Nathan Horton was a bad t- number three pick. <sighs> His career was cut short by injuries, though. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Nikolai Sheridev, number four to Columbus. That's a full bust. Oh, that's a hundred percent unadulterated. What, what 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 country did you come from? Russia. I didn't. I just noticed that. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Buffalo took Thomas Vanek number five, which was a solid pick. Yeah. We ended up with him, but he but wasn't. Some of the better players are kind of got like win the teens, like uh, Jeff Carter, Zach Parise, oh, right. Getzlaff, Brent Burns, oh, wow. Brent Seabrook. Did How I say did Dustin they... Brown? Dustin Brown was okay. He thirty goals a, three years. Yeah, he, he had a big. He was a big part of that cup run. Those two cup runs, I should yeah. say, especially the first one. Yeah, but he. I never. I never. He was gave, uh, solid. Good he, second he did, line he, guy. He, he was, was no first in talk line guy. For, he was in talk for the Conn Smythe for the twenty twelve cup though, because he was a point per game player that playoff run. Oh, and he and he was physical, and he played some good physical hockey. I, I'll give him. I'll give him the benefit of a doubt on that. Sure, sure, he wasn't yeah. so bad. I just think it's crazy. Like when you when you you think about some of these trades now. When you go like, what? Owen Nolan. I forgot yeah. about that one. That was just plain dirty. And then 2004, he missed the final like 17 games of the season. Didn't play one single shift for the playoffs. And then I believe they still had him the 06 season, but again, like injuries. So he didn't play that. And there was like a contract, like a contract thing. I believe they like that went to court. I, I believe. believe so. We should look that. Yeah, yeah. I remember something vague and ugly reared its ugly head about that nonsense. Uh, I want to talk about 06. Okay. Two teams, the two teams that went to the finals that year, if you remember, were Carolina and Edmonton. Mm. Uh, each of them made pretty significant. That's uh, your Carolina one, right? Yes. Yeah, so Carolina that year, they got Mark, Mark Recchi from Pittsburgh for Chris Colanos, Nicholas Nordgren, and a second round pick who didn't amount to anything. Big win there for Carolina, obviously. Huge. Big and Mark- loss there for Pittsburgh because they didn't get anything. Okay, but and you there. know, and you know what's even crazier though? Mark Recchi was a trade deadline acquisition for Pittsburgh too, wasn't he? I believe so. You know, who did he start with, or did he start with? Pittsburgh? I think he started with Pittsburgh, then they trade him to Philly. No, Philly got, got him at. They, I think Philly got him for a trade deadline, and then he got another trade deadline, and then another trade. No, deadline. No, but he was traded, I believe. So he, he he was on Pittsburgh for that first Cup run with Lemieux. Yep. But then midseason '92, he was traded for. Um, oh my God, the, he's a coach now. Defenseman too. No, no forward. He was right wing. He was involved in that uh, gambling controversy with Gretzky. Oh my God, what's his name? Oh, I can see him. Big guy. He's bald head. Not Zelik. Not 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 Peter Zazel. Oh, as soon as you say his name, we're gonna. I can see him. 
We're gonna we're gonna be we're gonna yell when we hear his name. Not Peter Zezel. I'm pulling it up quickly. Oh, what's his? <laughs> I want to remember it before. He was like stapled to Lemieux's line for oh, a while. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, and big boy too. Oh, we're talking. Talking. Talk yeah, we should all be shot. Rick talking. Of course, I knew it as soon as I could see his face. Yeah. You know that was a that was a pretty decent trade. Yep. You know, and everybody. I just want to get back to Mark Recchi. He is in the Hall of Fame now, right? I believe he is. He's one of those journeyman guys that should have been in the Hall of Fame. He was good in every team. He came to Montreal and gave us a yep. great year. Yep. You know what I mean? I hope he's in the Hall of Fame, or is he? I'm pretty sure he is. He scored 500 goals, 400 at least. He's got to have five. Oh yeah, he was um, a good, great two-way player. He was the Steve. Five hundred seventy-seven goals. Yeah, so he's I think he is in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, hundred percent. Five hundred seventy-seven goals. You're in the Hall of Fame. He was a Steve shut of his time. I thought. Fair enough. Uh, another trade here. Boston trades Sergey Samsonov. This is the same year. Yeah. Sergey Samsonov to Edmonton for Marty Reisner, Yan Stasny, and a 2006 second-round pick. It turned out to be who? Milan Lucic. Oh wow. How are you supposed to know that though? That's just good. That you got lucky. You know what though? Edmonton, they got to the finals that year. If Rollison did not get injured game one of that finals, they probably win that cup. Possibly. Possibly. And Carolina was like what well, every round I believe they were taking out other teams' top guys. That's <laughs> nasty to say. That's something I would say. <laughs> I'm defending you because they took out Carol or they took out Montreal round one. Yes, I know. I believe that. they took what Koivu. I think they took out. Yeah, they hacked yeah. them. They hacked them. They did. Yeah, there was some nefarious stuff, and Eric Stahl couldn't be stopped. Yeah, and I he's believe a giant. The other one was conference final. I think they took out like Breer or Drury. I can't remember for Buffalo. They took out Breer. Yeah, there yeah. we go. Yeah, I remember that too. That was uh, okay. And who was the coach? Carolina. Palmer, yeah, Paul Maurice. No, no, no. It's uh, the guy. He's a uh, coach of um, oh, the other Yeah. Uh, uh, he's got a French sounding name. I know. Then the other French. No, I know who he is. He's American. One of the though. two. One of the two. I knew I, I, I couldn't go wrong on that. And I'm surprised he still got a job. He was out of the league for a couple of years, wasn't he? Not that, no, but he coached in Washington recently. Did he? Uh, yeah, he did. Like last year, wasn't he with them? No. Yeah. Uh, Lavulette. Lavulette. Yeah, no, he did. No, he was with Washington last year. Did he? Yeah, I'm pretty. Let, let's. I'm oh, did he replace friends. what's his name? You're right. You're right. Because when they when they kicked, uh, that was after the McPhee thing and after Stanley yeah, Cup. He was with that, the yeah, Labulet, uh, he was yeah. with Washington the last three years. Yeah. Okay. As we know, he's, he he had his day. I still think that you know Washington's in big trouble all the way. The one thing I want to just bring up really quickly though, when we talk about this, is that what ends up happening is we get a whole bunch of sanctimonious justification for the stupidity of the GMs. <laughs> Don't you notice that? Sure. When they get over it, they start saying, well, you know, we did know this or we didn't know that or we weren't sure of this or we weren't sure of that. I'm just saying it's bullshit. Either when you pull the trigger on these trades, you do right or you do wrong. Let's just say sometimes you make mistakes. As we draw to the end of this, you make mistakes. Yep. For example, one of the, the, the deadline moves that was made or just before it was going on is when Atlanta let Brett Favre go. <sighs> you know what I mean? What were they thinking on that? You didn't know, but they had, they had Chandler. Yep. Chandler was coming off an all-pro season. What are you going to do? You don't keep him, okay? Um, um, the Montreal Expos. Why did they let Pedro Martinez go? Was it trade deadline? They could have let him go, and they said no. Then they lost him at the contract. Yep. So maybe she, what they should have done is they should have traded him at the tra de trade deadline, right? Yep. You know what I mean? Like stupid stuff like that. Larry Walker. Why did they trade him? 
They didn't. They should. They could have let him go at the trade deadline. They didn't, and they ended up being a free agent going to Colorado. So sometimes I think what the trade deadline should be for is like if you want to relieve salary cap or protect your salary cap, that's pretty cool. Or if you want to bring in a player that you think is a prospect is going to make it, like I'm still saying, like the, I, I want to end the show with this, is that I cried like crazy when Aaron Sanchez and Noah Syndergaard were going out the door at the trade deadline. I screamed like a little bitch for R.A. Dickey. Now, Dickey did his job when he was here, and he even gave us another season where we made the playoffs again. Yeah. Okay, so I can't justify that. Was it worth the trade for Syndergaard and, and leaving Aaron, Aaron Sanchez leaving town? Now, I bet you if you look at the bean counters that are sitting in the room with the Toronto Blue Jays, they say we're as good a game because they got those playoff games. They got that money. Yep. They got the money from the TV. So, And now that Syndergaard is playing for who? Cleveland? Like, and where is Aaron Sanchez? We say it's not even on a it's roster. Gone. That just lets you know that the particular thing about this show, and if you're all listening to is, it's all over the board, buddy. You don't know what you're going to get. Look at some of the trades that we talked about. Look at some of the things that were done. Some teams, yes. Some teams, no. I'm just going to go back to the... Kurt Schilling was traded three times at a trade deadline. Sometimes it worked. Sometimes it didn't. Mm -hmm. 21-year-old Jeff Bagwell got traded, and how did that work out, fans? Oh, well, here's where we're going to go. David Cohn went two or three places. How it worked out? Good sometimes, not so good some other times. So I think the moral of the story is this. You can never overprice prospects. You can never, they're never as worth as what you think they are. I think prospects are a lot like your lottery tickets. Yep. Don't you think so? Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Let's take your lottery tickets. Today, I think I'm a millionaire. Tomorrow, that's another trash. In any event, anybody that's listening to this show, because we're going to come back with another show later on, and it's going to be called Booms and Busts. I think you should put that Lucic one in your back pocket, because oh, yeah. I did not realize he got stolen in the second round like that. But what we're going to talk about is that the reason why we watch sports is because of the unpredictability of the situation and add on to the fact that we never know what a prospect's going to be or why Theron Fleury got traded to Colorado at that time. You know what I mean? Well, I can tell you why he was traded to Colorado well, we, at that time. <laughs> okay, we know that. But I'm saying like when you're as a sports fan and you're above the table, we don't see that what goes on behind the curtains. No. You know what I mean? And what goes on behind the curtains always ends up affecting teams in the long run. And perhaps maybe in the short term, it's going to do it good. For example, I'm going to end on this. Jack Morris came to Toronto the first year. That was a good move. The second year, Jack couldn't even throw the ball. He was not even close to making no, that no, playoff roster. No, no, no. It couldn't be done. And, that, and that's what happens when you make trades at the Ted, trade deadline or you're looking at giving up prospects for people that are going to get you there. The question is, and it's not going to be answered today, is the chip worth everything? I think in the moment it is. But, I mean, if it's going to cost you of 10 years of being irrelevant, I go, hmm. That's the problem. That's the problem. The players that get that chip will tell you one thing. <laughs> the guy that's um, moving people to their seats that's an usher every night <laughs> yeah, might tell have, you yeah. a different story. You know what I'm saying? And on that note, once again, we're going to say this was pre-recorded on Simcoe Day, 2023, August 6th, I believe, or August 7th, I believe. August 7th. Is there anything you'd like to say before we go out the door? That's just about it. Uh, and as I go out the door, I'm just hoping that the Toronto Blue Jays trade prospects at this deadline 
backdoors us into the playoffs. There we go. And on that note, hi, my name is Cruz. And I'm Andrew Milani. This is The House That Happens, and we never forget to keep the vibe alive. You can find The House That Happens on Podbean, Spotify, Amazon Music, iHeartRadio, Player FM, Samsung, Podchaser, Boomplay, YouTube, and SoundCloud. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok at The House That Happens, and follow us on Twitter at House Happens. You can also shoot us an email at thehousethathappens at gmail.com.